feast your eyes on that. Uh, Worldwide Studios announces open auditions for frogs wishing to become rich and famous. Well, thanks anyway, but I'm really pretty happy where I am. Oh, oh, if I were you, I would give this audition very careful consideration. You've got talent, kid. Singing, telling jokes. I mean, if you get your tongue fixed, who knows? You can make millions of people happy. Millions of people happy. Millions! Hello, cassettes. Hello, hello. Welcome. Hi. Welcome Hi. to the Black Case Diaries yes. podcast. This is another episode. Can you believe it? We're back again. <laughs> Your intros are so weird. I know. Uh... I like to switch them up. I'm not even going to look at the paper until I start having to. Um, <laughs> you want everybody to feel special out there. That's first, right. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Just like you listening right now. You person listening. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We are three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I am Adam. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. Hooray. Well, it's no secret that here at the Black Case Diaries, we are big fans of alliteration, right? Yes. <laughs> we love it so much. So last week, we departed from Musical May, and this month, we're heading into Jim Henson June. Yay! Whoa! Are you sick of it yet? Are you sick of the alliteration? <laughs> Every theme. <laughs> Every theme we do is alliteration. I think, I mean, except for June tunes, because that was uh, yeah. It rhymes That's at least. Yeah. yeah, but that was it though. That's I mean. Yeah. But here's the thing: if we don't do alliteration now, it's gonna it's gonna be weird. It's not gonna feel right. It's like this isn't even a theme. Like, anymore. is that even us? <laughs> yeah. We have to think of a way to make it alliterative every time if we're doing a theme. Yeah. Yeah. Like Robin said, usually June is the month that we reserve for June tunes, but we decided to shake things up this year, as a lot of things have been shaken up. Yeah. Yeah. This week, we're covering a Jim Henson film that is near and dear to our hearts. Yeah. No surprises. I mean, mm -hmm. all of them are. <laughs> yeah. From 1976 to 1981, The Muppet Show dazzled audiences everywhere with its chaotic charm. Jim Henson was known everywhere as an innovator and master entertainer. He took the rigid medium of puppetry, which was known to cater almost exclusively to children, and turned it into something for everyone. So in 1979, when the Muppets were at their peak popularity, Jim Henson produced their first ever full-length feature film. It was a beautiful musical journey of how the Muppets met and came to be with a variety of high-profile cameos speckled throughout. So this week, we're moving right along, out of the swamp, and on our way to Hollywood, the big time. Yeah. It's time to explore the magic store with the Muppet movie. Yay! Woo! Woo! I love this movie yes. so much! <laughs> this is a good one. And not to be confused with the Muppets movie. Yeah. No, that's we're, the newer one. Yes, this is the old one. This is the first one, which is um, the Muppets is also incredible. Yes. Mm -hmm. In the late 1970s, Jim Henson was one of the busiest men in show business. Carol Spinney, the man that brought Big Bird to life, called him the hardest working man I've ever met. In 1977, as Henson juggled the Muppet Show, Sesame Street, holiday specials, and live performances, he started working on the Muppet movie. 
wow, he was a busy man. Yes. This was not somebody who like hung out, you know? <laughs> which is <laughs> which is interesting because he looks and like yes. kind of feels like the guy who would just hang out. He felt very casual yeah. and laid back mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. And he kind of was, you know, his coworkers and people under him didn't really see him as a boss. They saw him more of like a friend. The film would be incredibly ambitious. No one had ever made puppets the main actors of a feature film before. Of course, Jim Henson could have turned an episode of The Muppet Show into a film, but instead he did something much more challenging. The film would be the reverse of The Muppet Show. Instead of live actors coming in to visit the Muppet characters, the Muppets were venturing out into the living world. I guess if like Jim Henson's your boss and he comes up with a whole bunch of crazy crap all the time mm-hmm. and it always works, yeah. it always ends up being okay. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, Jim, okay, Jim. And then they're like, okay, so you know how like we do this show all the time where there's like no floor and we all have to run around and look at <laughs> monitors and it's really like super chaotic and really hard and we have like living animals and it's basically <laughs> impossible, but it's a good thing that we're inside a contained space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Now we're gonna go outside and do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I honestly fun. Yeah. I can't imagine like they had to have been like, dude, are you serious? How? And, and here's the first thing we're gonna do. We're gonna have Kermit ride a bicycle. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh shit. <laughs> I just oh my god. Jim Henson brought this idea to Lord Lou Grade, the chief of ATV, which was the home of the Muppets. Grade was enthusiastic about the idea and granted Henson an $8 million budget, which was quite steep at the time. Filming started in 1978. Wow. Yeah, that is quite a hefty yeah. chunk. That's it was pretty high for 1978. Yeah, they really believed in it. They said he was kind of lucky, because he went to the director and basically was like, hey, I need $8 million to make a Muppet movie. <laughs> and he was like, you know what? Okay. I, <laughs> I think the Muppets are pretty good. I think yeah. it'll work. Because they, they said that he really kind of stretched his collar out when he said eight million dollars but he still did it he still gave it to him yeah so i mean awesome so glad because this movie is amazing yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. absolutely so if you haven't seen it i'll give you a little rundown but you should go see it yeah Yeah. it's on disney plus Uh, is it anywhere else it is in fact only on disney plus right now all right okay but available for purchase elsewhere After being discovered by an agent in a swamp, Kermit the Frog decides to head to Hollywood to chase his dream of becoming a professional performer. Along the way, he meets a struggling bear comedian named Fozzie, a talented dog pianist named Rolf, a beauty queen that happens to be a pig, an alien plumber, and many more. As the group heads to California, Kermit must also escape the clutches of an evil restaurateur that intends to use Kermit to sell deep-fried frog legs. Yeah. Which, think about that. (laughs) It's horrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's just like, it kind of bothers me a little bit when barbecue places have pigs as their mascot. It's the same deal. It's like, not as cute (laughs) as you think. (laughs) Yeah. Like. It's not. (laughs) It's, yeah. Imagine living in a world where you have singing and dancing frogs and you're like still gonna eat them still serving them. <laughs> yeah, yeah still serve them up <laughs> like um i feel like at that point maybe we should not yeah. <laughs> yeah. i don't know all right since this was such an amazing feat of a movie we're gonna start talking about the making of it 
All right. Jim Henson wanted to direct the Muppet movie himself, but he was eventually persuaded to allow an experienced filmmaker to come in and take charge. Henson had never shot film, and the producers chose director James Frawley to take the helm. Although this was incredibly frustrating for Henson, he seemed to work well with Frawley. Frawley was familiar with directing quirky material, like episodes of the TV show The Monkees, and Henson liked his sense of humor. Frawley performed a screen test, which helped him understand the characters and how they worked, and whether or not they would fit into the real world. We will actually link to that in the blog so you it's can see it. so cute. It is. It's it really adorable. is, yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite things about the Muppets now. The show would bring the people on to a set or whatever, yeah. but, but a lot of Muppet stuff now brings them to us, mm. and I really like that. It started with this movie, and yeah. I think that's really good. It's really <laughs> clever. I, yeah. I love it, especially when everyone is like completely unfazed by yes it. everyone talks to them like they are totally ordinary regular things yes and i love it that there is nothing odd about mm-hmm. this at all and it reminds me of being a kid watching it and like really believing that they existed yeah yeah that they were you know what i mean because yes. they were so real and they interacted with people and watching them on the Muppet Show, it was almost like they were in this little container. Yeah. You know, like they were, oh, they exist, but only here. But then seeing them on riding bikes and driving cars, it was like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> Those are living, breathing things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> Kermit has, I, I think Kermit's been on the red carpet before. Like if you watch uh, yeah, stuff yes, on TV. So. Oh yeah. yeah, he's he's presented yeah. awards. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the best he's thing. He sung at the Oscars. Yeah, he was oh, on the mass Singer. I was just going to say, he was oh. on the mass Singer too. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah, I love that they just integrate them in like as if yeah. they were yes. real. It's the best yeah. thing. Yeah. So cool. In a USA Today article, the director said, we shot them in and among cows. Real locations though trees, farmland, and cars to see if you accepted the reality mixed in with real reality. Frawley admitted to not understanding their mechanics and process at first, but he was soon an ally to the Muppet performers. Jim Henson had worked with directors in the past that did not understand the physical demands of puppeteering. For this film, performers would often stand in small, claustrophobic places while holding their arms above their heads. In some scenes, they hid in underground cylinders, covered with plywood and dirt. Frawley was sympathetic and would often shout, Muppets, relax, between takes, so actors could take a rest. Oof. Yeah, that yeah. would get so tiring. Yeah. Like, you know, I just hand-holding your arm up yeah. for so long. And there was, in the book I was reading, there was a quote that said, if you don't dig sore arms, do not become a puppeteer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were talking about a Muppet Christmas Carol, and the way they did it that time mm-hmm. was they took away the floor because they were on sets Yeah, for, like, yeah. pretty much the entire movie Yeah, in Muppet Christmas Carol, so they could do that. They could mm-hmm. just not have a floor and then, you know, yeah, with this one, you're actually outside. Like they, yeah. they really, they you had to do. You can't take away the floor. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't add a fake floor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Making a groundbreaking film meant solving a lot of problems. Frawley felt that the most difficult scenes to shoot involved driving. 
The scenes inside the Studebaker forced up to four puppeteers to squish together under their dashboard with their monitors. Oh, my goodness. Cramped. (laughs) So cramped. Since there was no room for an actual driver, Frawley had the car rigged so a stunt driver could operate it from the trunk while watching the road on a monitor. Oh, that's that's awesome. <laughs> it's like it's like backup cameras now. Yeah, but, yes. true. But all the time. Oh my gosh, I can't oh, that had to be scary. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, don't crash. Don't I wonder if they had, all the puppeteers are in the yeah, front. All the like... other puppeteers. It's a, it's a good thing then that a lot of the driving scenes are on like the most empty country yes. back roads. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I never had any idea because I when we were researching this and I saw the article, it was like how the Muppets drive cars. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, I'm really excited to find out how Muppets drive cars. Yeah. Because yeah. I was watching the movie and I was like, they really are driving that driving. car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what's happening? There's no driver. <laughs> how is that car moving? Yeah, they don't yeah. just have a green screen yeah. behind and them. And that's a real car. Yeah. yeah. Like oh that's that's not like a remote controlled mm-hmm. thing that was built for the movie. Like that they rigged out an actual 1951 Studebaker. Impressive. Yeah. A bear in his natural habitat. <laughs> a Studebaker. <laughs> <laughs> But the sequence Frawley felt was the most difficult of all was the opening shot of Kermit singing in the swamp. Originally, Jim Henson wanted the scene to be in a real swamp, but quickly abandoned the idea. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, he shipped in trees from Georgia and turned a water tank into an incredibly realistic swamp set. Nice. It does look very good. Yeah, it does. It looks so real. It looks real. Henson had a diving bell made to sit in the four-foot tank. He squeezed inside and was sealed in. A rubber sleeve at the top allowed him to reach up and control Kermit with one hand, and a wire allowed him to operate Kermit's banjo movements. Except for a headset that allowed him to communicate with the outside world, and the oxygen being pumped in, Henson was essentially buried alive. Oh my gosh. Dude, talk about commitment to your craft. Yeah. Yeah, so basically you cannot be claustrophobic. You Mm -hmm. cannot. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -mm. I don't know if they would have anybody do it like this now. Yeah. I don't Mm -hmm. think they would have, because I think part of it was because it was Jim Henson. Like Jim Henson was like, you know what? It's me. Yep. I'll do it. You got to do it legit. They really didn't think this would work because he had to be in there with a monitor. Yeah. (laughs) He just shrugged and said, if it works, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. Amazing. (laughs) The scene took five days to shoot. At one point, Henson was sealed in for over three hours. Oh, man. Wow. And his son was on set, and he was very scared seeing his dad go into the tank. Because it really looked like they were yeah. burying him alive. Oh my <laughs> yes. gosh. Oh my. So it did, it did not, yeah. <laughs> also, he was in there for so long that when he came out, he couldn't stand straight. Oh, he's like just oh, bent. Yeah, they, his legs oh. wouldn't, his legs had, had become too stiff, like bent together oh yeah. and stuff. And like they had to like stretch him stretch out. out. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Anytime a Muppet was shown with their feet, a creative solution was required to make it happen. For example, one sequence when Kermit walked across the sand in a ghost town, the camera was ground level as someone operated two green legs from above. The movie was written by Jack Burns and Jerry Jewell. We all know Jerry Jewell. Yeah, We've talked about him a few times. The Muppet writer. Mm -hmm. The head writers for The Muppet Show. Back when Jim Henson first pitched the show, Jewell was the main writer. 
But the network hired comedian Jack Burns to take the head writer title because he was a more well-known comedian. How fun is that? Interesting. Yeah, I know. I was not happy about it. No. So, Jewel understood Henson's frustration when he wasn't named director of the Muppet movie. (laughs) For years afterward, Jewel continued to write Muppet content and is responsible for many of the jokes that we associate with the Muppets today. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Jack Burns, but yeah, essentially the... The network just wanted somebody who was more well known attached to the show Aww. at the time. That's and so that that's one part of like just show business in general that really irks me. Yeah. In every situation where they only pick the person because they're already famous. It's yeah. Like, come on. Jewel and Burns wrote a film that was a nod to old Hollywood. There were elements of classic movie musicals, buddy films, and slapstick comedy. We've mm-hmm. got the high noon stuff, yes. westerns, yeah. we've mm-hmm. got and then, yes, of course, Fozzie and Kermit being like the buddies. Mm. The right, buddy movie. right. But Jewel also made sure to incorporate elements of Jim Henson's own life. Jim Henson had left Mississippi, where there are quite a few swamps, if you guys <laughs> know that, to achieve his dreams in Hollywood. Like Kermit, he gathered up a group of coworkers and friends that shared his dream of wanting to bring more light into the world. He fought to escape the clutches of the advertisement business as well. Oh man! So a lot of pretty much yeah, <laughs> pretty no much frog the story. legs for him. Too. Yes, exactly. He he did advertisement for a little bit, and that was the thing he was trying to escape. He <laughs> went, trying to didn't want to sell out. Yeah. In Brian J. Jones's biography on Henson, he points to the climactic scene in which Kermit faces Doc Hopper at high noon as a true Jim Henson inspired moment. Mm. So this is the quote from the movie. Yeah, well, I've got a dream too. But it's about singing and dancing and making people happy. That's the kind of dream that gets better the more people you share it with. And, well, I found a whole bunch of friends who have the same dream. And and it kind of makes us like a family. Jones wrote that Jewel could have lifted those words verbatim from Jim Henson's own mouth. Inspiring is the word I would use. (laughs) (laughs) So filming took a total of 90 days. That is short. Yeah. That is not a long shoot. (laughs) That's what, like three months? Yeah, three months. (laughs) That's it. Done. To create all these special ways to shoot the Muppets. (laughs) The entire film was done in camera with no after effects added. Every scene. None. Nope. Every scene was choreographed so the actors knew exactly where to be. It's a complicated process because the Muppets need to appear autonomous, which means that puppeteers cannot ever appear. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Does compositing count as an after effect? He said it was all done in camera, so. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, they could composite shots together and Mm -hmm. that probably could be counted as. That's true and not, that's not like a. Yeah. Because I, yeah. Because I have seen some things about blue screen, but I don't know. Simple is good was always one of Jim Henson's philosophies, but it seemed as if his definition of simple would fluctuate. Writer Jerry Jewell said, we always used to kid Jim that after telling everybody that simple is good, he would turn around and try to produce the most complicated work in the world. (laughs) I feel it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I get it because sometimes in your brain, this sounds like the simplest option. Yeah. But when in, when an execution, it turns out it is not the most <laughs> <Yeah>. simple <laughs> You need cranes and... <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I All totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just look at the fact that he had to go into that dang tank. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. sure there could have been an easier way. <laughs> <laughs> they could have done remote control. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they just he did, didn't think it flowed well enough. Yeah, because they did try that. One notable example of this would be the scene in the film when animal consumes chemicals and grows a gigantic head. Oh, yeah. Although some suggested filming the scene using the regular-sized animal puppet with miniatures, Jim Henson instructed his crew to build a 60-foot animal head instead, controlled by Frank Oz. (laughs) That is insane. Amazing. (laughs) They were like, Jim, there's a better way. He said, no, there's not. Like, Jim, we, really, we could build a tiny house. Yeah. We could build a tiny house, Jim. Yeah. They're yeah. like, simple is better. And he's like, no, no, who no, no, told no, no. you that? No, 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 no. <laughs> He said, let's build a 60-foot head and have it break through the roof of a real house. You <laughs> <laughs> got $8 million to spend. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, we got the budget. <laughs> when you're watching a Muppet movie, you're witnessing a series of complicated maneuvers by people so talented that it all looks seamless. Only two characters in the film were operated as suits. Sweetums, the ogre Muppet that works at the used car lot, and Big Bird. Big Bird! Yay! Big Bird! One of the best cameos. Yes! What a great Yes. (laughs) Which made me immediately think of uh, Follow That Bird. Oh my gosh, yes! Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about that one sometime. Yes, we should. Do you think these... This movie and Follow That Bird happened simultaneously. Yeah, intersect. Maybe. It's possible. We didn't look into that. Another example of these maneuvers was the scene that included legendary actor Orson Welles. As the group is about to appeal Welles to become rich and famous, the five or six puppeteers were wheeled on a dolly across the stage, and objects in the foreground were used to help conceal them, such as chairs and couches. I love this scene. Yeah. yeah. I love how they get into that room, too. They just yes. like, oh, she's allergic to us. <laughs> just shake her, like, that poor woman. Aww. In the finale, we see many of the Muppets all together under a rainbow. When watching, you may not even think about what kind of an amazing feat this is. You see the Muppets as actual characters. But in reality... They must be moved by puppeteers. In this final scene, there are more than 250 Muppet characters, with 137 puppeteers hiding. The scene took an entire day to shoot, and several of the puppeteers were called to help from the Puppeteers of America. In the beginning of the day, Henson and Oz gave a crash course in the art of cinematic puppetry. Wow. All right. (laughs) Oh boy! If I if I were one of the people who got called in, I'd be sweating. <laughs> so like, yeah. oh no! Oh man! I'm it's, in the yeah. Muppet movie. Yeah, it's like one of those things you cannot say no to. But yeah. at the same time, you're like, can I say no? Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, <laughs> but then you get to always say like, hey guys, that's I was me. there. That's me. You see that little blue one there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right there. The one that doesn't have a name. Yeah. That was me. We will include in the blog a picture of how they organized where each puppeteer would stand, with their characters by numbers written on the ground. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes it is simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that one worked out. Yeah. <laughs> the Muppet movie released in America on June 22nd of 1979. <gasps> Jim Henson, June. <laughs> ow, 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 ow. Oh, no. 
And you know it's yeah. amazing. I'm going to spoil it for you. Yeah. But the next movie that we're covering for Jim Henson June also mm-hmm. was released in June. June. So. Yes. Ooh, but don't tell them what it is. Maybe I, you yeah. know already. And yeah. funny enough, we did not do that on purpose. We did not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're actually not that good. Every time we line up, guys, it's actually an accident. It yeah. really really is and, actually yeah and when we make posts about like a national day <laughs> related to the episode we just did mm-hmm. always an accident always every time we don't pay attention we to don't that. look just, ahead yeah we're that good without even knowing it really we're it's, just in tune with the universe I think. yeah yeah i'm sure it's something like that <laughs> it was a critical and commercial success just like jim henson knew it would be it was one of the most profitable films of the decade heck yeah you know i'm not surprised that it was successful no (laughs) super good i'm still so blown away at how well it works for adults and kids Yeah. yeah the muppets are on a level where they're just so much more genuine Without even trying, really. It, it just is for everyone because they're just being real. Yeah. yeah. What they do is they appeal to kids in kind of more of a real way, real level. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the characters do things that children do. Mm-hmm. You know, they sing along to their own songs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. They're yeah. they're silly. They kind of just go about their way. They don't really worry about other people and what they're doing. They make friends easily. These are all things that kids do, yeah. that children do, and we, we adults are like, we don't do those things because we got old and weird. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, there's obviously the, the adult moments where mm-hmm. they talk about their romantic troubles and they, yeah. you know, talk about not being successful. And The situations they go through are very adult yeah. most of the time. Like, I mean, just the idea of taking a road trip to Hollywood yeah. Leaving mm-hmm. home and in chasing a dream is a very is a very adult thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, a lot of the time people think, well, for a kid to like it and we need kid characters. Mm-hmm. These are not children. You know, I remember watching this as a kid and knowing like I'm not watching kids. These yeah. are adults yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. on the screen, even though mm-hmm. it's a bear and a frog. Mm-hmm. I know that they're grown ups. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was, you know, it was like, I know these aren't kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was I still appealed to children. I mean, there's there's nothing like. There's nothing like the Muppets. So this movie is, in fact, a musical. Yeah. If you forgot, there are songs in it. The music and lyrics were written by Kenneth Asher and Paul Williams. Oh, yeah. Hey. I love Paul Williams. Yes. Kenneth Asher's great, too. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget. They make a great team. In an interview with Steven Dusner, Paul Williams said, Jim instructed us never to write down to children. That was never the point. We were writing the story and characters. I think the special thing about the Muppets is that they encompass every age. When Williams was asked about working with his coworker, he said that, The way Kenny and I write, it's almost like we're one consciousness. I probably write about 85% of the lyrics and a little bit of the melody as I'm singing. And he writes 85% of the music and a little bit of the lyrics. It was a perfect collaboration for the Muppet movie. Nice. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so great. I These songs are perfect. I would have loved to have been in the room. <laughs> so the Muppet and like Sesame Street too, just the, that sound, those songs are so good. I mean, Rainbow Connection is one of the biggest mm-hmm. songs yeah. from any musical yes. at all. That, I, that yeah, stuff. and Rubber Ducky. Rubber and... Ducky. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, <laughs> so many. many. So many C great is for songs. Cookie. 
Yes. <laughs> you know it's no trouble. You know it's a double you when you go. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Dude. Sesame Lovely. Street is pretty cool. Yes, it is. So we're going to talk about the songs a little bit individually. Yay. Yeah. There are a lot of magical moments in this film, but the opening of Rainbow Connection is otherworldly. It starts in the sky as the orchestral opening music fades away to make room for the humble sound of a banjo. The camera comes in from a wide shot, reminiscent of the opening of The Sound of Music. I could mm-hmm. not help yeah, but notice <laughs> the similarities between these shots. Mm-hmm. We have the helicopter shot with like, you know, this <laughs> faraway footage. You know yep. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Except coming down, yeah, and it, except instead of hearing this like sweeping score, yeah, the score kind of stops, and then we hear, bark, 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 bark. <laughs> dude, the banjo is the perfect instrument to do it that. Is. It yes. is the most humble of instruments, and yeah. it's just yeah. a beautiful sound. Yeah, it's wonderful. This first song of the movie sets up our main protagonist Kermit, so that we see him as a true character and not a pile of fabric. At the film's premiere, Jim Henson's 14-year-old son, John, burst into tears. When asked about it later, he said, I cried in the opening, and I still do. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, yeah, he said it was just so powerful. It's not often that the opening of the movie is powerful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Usually they just want to ease you in. First, the movie truly opens with the Muppets at the studio about yeah, to watch true. the movie. Oh, yes. True. Like, it truly, but then, you know, we're the movie within the movie, right? We're mm-hmm. starting with the, yeah. <laughs> with, yeah. with Kermit playing. And it is the perfect way because it really subverts the expectations of everybody that went to see this movie. Mm-hmm. No one expected something so cinematic. Yeah. And so heart, I mean, this re- this song. Mm. Yeah. Just get you mm-hmm. right away. Like you hear this song oh, and yeah. you're just like, whoa, they're starting <laughs> strong. They went with their A game on this one. Yeah. The inspiration for the Rainbow Connection was When You Wish Upon a Star. Both songs deal with inner thoughts, feelings, and emotions. The Rainbow Connection is essentially an I want song. So in a uh, lot of musicals, yes. many musicals, one of the earliest songs is an I want song. Often Disney follows this format. Many classic musicals follow this format. Mm -hmm. Linda Holmes from NPR wrote this about the song. His I want is not just for his own dreams to come true. It's for those who believe in the enchanting myths that we've all written together to be proved right. Someday, he hopes, we will find a thread that makes all this make sense. You know, life. It's almost a we want song. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jim Henson decided that when the audience first sees Kermit, he would be sitting on a log. When Williams and Asher asked Henson what what Kermit would be doing, Henson thought briefly and said, Kermit will be playing a banjo. Williams and Asher built from there. This song was also performed at the 1980 Oscars. It was named in 2017 by Billboard's Andrew Untenberger, as one of the 100 greatest award show performances of all time. Wow. Oh, nice. Whoa. Yeah. The song hit number 25 in the Billboard chart and stayed in the top 40 for seven weeks. All right. Pretty impressive. I love it when songs from movies make the top of the Billboard charts. Since then, the song has been covered by many artists. Its wise lyrics may not be grasped by younger listeners, but it has the capacity to be appreciated by all. It has been covered by Willie Nelson, Sarah McLaughlin, 
and Jason Mraz. Uh, this song is the pinnacle Muppet song. It's the mm-hmm. epitome of the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's amazing because it came out several years after the Muppets had been established, you know, <laughs> right. from their movie. But this is Kermit the Frog's song. Everybody knows this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Iconic. <laughs> All right, moving right along. <laughs> this... <laughs> this song comes just as Kermit is able to convince Fozzie to come with him to Hollywood. Mm. It sets up the beginning of their journey together. Yes. I love when they're in the car and he's like, we could be a buddy team. It's like, no, I think I'm going to. Fozzie's like, no, nah, I think I'm going to stay yeah. here. Yeah. I'm a solo guy. I'm a guy. solo guy. All right, you've convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> this song also shows the audience the chemistry between Fozzie and Kermit, two best friends hitting the road together. It sets up the film as a buddy and road trip movie. It also shows how creative the characters are, and they are singing the song and writing it in real time. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so cool. This is a great song. I listen to it when I go on road trips. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the perfect road trip song. It is. The song is filled with funny asides and is a plucky tune pounded out on banjo. Moving Right Along is an absolute jam. It also has a great cameo from Carol Spinney's Big Bird, which we talked about Yay! earlier. Yay. Turn left at the fork in the road. Turning left. <laughs> I don't believe that. <gasps> Classic Muppet humor. Like, that's, just, that's just the the best. Yeah, that stuff. was one of the most memorable things of this yeah. movie for me when I was a kid. Yes. Just that fork joke. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is this big just cardboard this fork. Big thing. fork. <laughs> wow. All right. <sighs> In January of this year, the Muppets social media uploaded a video of current day Kermit and Fozzie singing the tune together via a phone video call as Fozzie does a quick road trip. <laughs> and we'll link to that in the blog if you want to see that. Nice. How cute. So cute. But then this is this is basically the scene where this becomes a road trip movie. Yeah. Which is another nod to old Hollywood. There were these popular road trip style movies. Right? Yeah. And this is kind of, you know, mimicking that. Yeah. Next we have Never Before, Never Again. Aw. This song really shows Frank Oz's range as Miss Piggy sings a love ballad while noticing Kermit for the first time. So think about Frank Oz going from Fozzie singing Moving Right Along yeah. to Never Before. You know, just like... <laughs> talent. <laughs> yeah. So much talent. That's yes. it. That's all he's got. This song is filled with silly moments of the two Muppets being in love and spending time together. Although only in Miss Piggy's imagination. Yeah. Yeah, it's super like over the top yes. cliche yeah. romance in yeah. her thoughts, and it's so funny. I... Kermit's dressed in like these, <laughs> yeah. you know, real fancy clothes, and she's got these huge dresses on or whatever. Yeah. Just... Yes. With the umbrellas yeah. that have the fancy frilling on the edges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Next, we have I Hope That Something Better Comes Along. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Hoping for a better podcast coming along? <laughs> yeah, that's every, every listener. Oh, God. <laughs> no. no. This song is unique in that Henson duets himself. In order to accomplish the performance, 
the two tracks were recorded separately and then composited together. Ralph and Kermit were both Jim Henson's mm-hmm. puppets. Yeah. His his little babies, mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and when you listen to him, you can kind of hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, he had a really good range. Like, you can tell he that did, they're, yeah. it, it, it really sounds like two different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Muppets constantly walk a line between entertainment for children and adults. It's tough to say if anyone has ever done it as well as they have. This song has the most grown-up jokes as Rolf and Kermit lament their lady troubles, <laughs> and it takes place in a bar. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're at this part in the movie where Kermit is upset because Miss Piggy like left him. And yeah, so this is a pretty grown-up scene. You know, yeah. he, obviously Kermit is old enough yeah. to drink, so we, mm-hmm. he is an adult. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I love that he gets the cheapest wine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, because the waiter, who we'll get to, yes. it takes a sip of it and it's like, Bleh. it's lovely. <laughs> Rolf the dog was a very special character for Jim Henson. He was as much Jim as Kermit the Frog. When Jim Henson passed away, Rolf only made a cameo appearance in The Muppet Christmas Carol because Brian Henson didn't want to recast him. Yeah. So Rolf is really funny. Yes, he mm-hmm. is. He he's very laid back, very casual. I always yeah. loved his floppy ears. Yes, Rolf's super cute and he's yeah. super laid back. He's very very funny character and he's very different than Kermit. So it's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. It's cool to have like yes. those two. He is cool. Yeah. He is cool. Yeah. yeah. And in this movie he's got a super cool piano. I re- I like it yeah. a lot. It has tree rings, trunk rings and oh. stuff. Oh, like, like it was cut from a tree and yeah. assembled like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nice. I actually Love I got to go back and look at that. Yeah. I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah. that. I did. I was like, "Ooh, I That's like cool. that a lot." <laughs> the next one we have here is Can you picture that? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, I can. Aha. Uh-huh. Shortly after Fozzie and Kermit meet up, the two encounter Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, <laughs> a.k.a. the heroes of the film. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you don't agree, watch it again. <laughs> yeah. Hanging out in a church, which they hope to turn into a coffee house. <laughs> which, okay. I mean, how ahead of their time. Once the band finds out about Kermit's troubles with Doc Hopper, they decide to help by, distinct- by disguising the car. By disguising the car, yes. So they, <laughs> this is one of my favorite jokes of all Muppet time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they go in and Fozzie's like, guys, we have a lot going on. And he yeah. starts to, to explain what's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. And Kermit says, Fozzie, wait a minute. You're going to bore the audience. Here, <laughs> just read the script. And he gives them the script to the movie. So, so think, amazing. So think about it. They went into a they went into a theater at the beginning to watch this movie that they had already made, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's a movie within a movie, and then they talk. They hand somebody the script while in the movie. So it's a third level of movie within a movie within a movie. Because <laughs> they attempt to make this movie at the yeah. end of this movie about the oh, movie. Yes. <laughs> it. <laughs> What? <laughs> so many levels of movie. It's really, it's so much. And I, that joke is hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And I, I love the way they come back to the, the, where the story is. Cause they're like, he, Dr. Teeth is still reading it. He's like, open the church door, daytime. They slowly walk in, you know, and, and then it's just, they're there. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is also the introduction of Scooter, Kermit's eventual stage manager. Yeah. Yeah, he's like <laughs> Oh, you've got the uh you've got the money to pay for the van? No, he's got the he's got the van. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the only reason he's part of the band. He's got the ride. <laughs> this song is filled with trippy lyrics and hilarious animal moments. Not to mention it absolutely rocks harder than almost any song ever. This uh, song. Yes. It slaps. Yes. <laughs> it hits. It's a bop. It lands. I, it's a bop. Yeah. All of them. This is such a good song. I was listening to it. I was rewatching the movie when they drop the paint on, on the car. Yeah. And like the music starts. It's such a good scene. It's <laughs> yeah. like all around so entertaining and just the. Oh, you just yeah. can't help but dance to that. No, you can't. It's so it's perfect seventies <laughs> rock. I love it. And I find it so funny that you have to remember this is not Fozzie's car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Fozzie doesn't own the Studebaker. It belongs to his uncle, ah, who's, yes. who's hibernating right who's now. Hibernating. Who is, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> oops. Yeah, but they oh, make it look so good. They do. Yeah. And then it brings up one of the one of my favorite jokes. You know, they leave the church. And they're driving down the road, and then it cuts to Doc Hopper, and he's like, oh, we need to find a frog and a bear and a brown Studebaker. <laughs> I, I can't see. I don't know where they are. I, all I see is a frog and a bear and a really colorful Studebaker. <laughs> <laughs> Follow that car. <laughs> and, then, oh and then, it's like, oh, there's a sign up ahead. Pull up right in front of it. it like, they would have seen them pull up in front of that billboard, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they just blend in perfectly. It happened to be the art that they put on the car. Yeah. Oh, Oh so good. So 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 many quick jokes. Yeah. I love it. So the next song is probably the saddest song in the movie. Oh boy. Yeah. I'm gonna I feel like there's not a lot of competition for sad songs in this movie. No. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a wonderful little song. It's called I'm Going to Go Back There Someday, and it's sung by Gonzo. When the Muppets break down in the desert, all dreams of Hollywood seem to have been lost. Sitting around a campfire, Gonzo performs one of the most poignant songs of the film. So they're on their way, and their car breaks down, and they really don't have any... Uh, they're in the middle of nowhere. Seems like things yeah, are going to not yeah. go well yeah. here. And I think the audition was the very next day, right? Yes, yeah. So. When Dave Goles first took up the Gonzo puppet, he was a quieter, more emotional character. He was always very emotive, more so than many other Muppets. He's got those hooded eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, those eyelids. Mm -hmm. As the Muppet show progressed, so did Gonzo's character. He became more confident and hardly afraid of failure as the resident daredevil. When it comes time to perform this song, we see the complex emotional side of Gonzo that's more akin to his original character. I'm going to go back there someday describes how it feels when you think you have finally achieved your dreams just to have them fall apart. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, but, you know, in the song, you know, they're together, they're mm -hmm. friends, you know, mm -hmm. he, he describes what it's like to find people that share your dream and, and how nice that is and how yeah. fulfilling that is. But then he talks about the feeling of fulfillment and then losing that feeling mm -hmm. and just, d don't worry, I'm going to get it back. Mm -hmm. Someday I'm going to have that feeling back again. Yeah. yeah. And I also love that in this, we have Fozzie playing the banjo and... Rolf playing the harmonica. Yeah. And it's yes. so good. It sounds so wonderful. Yeah, they all it's it's so cool to have the other characters playing instruments mm -hmm. because it really brings them into the song and 
shows how they're all feeling this way. Yeah. That this is yeah. how everybody, but they don't sing along, you know, but it's no. just, they're just quietly supporting what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just after this song, Kermit goes and has a conversation with his inner self. He feels responsible for everyone's misery and wishes that he never left the swamp. Then he realizes that they came along with him because they believed in the dream, and he owes it to himself to keep trying to achieve it. Whether you promised them something or not, you gotta remember, they wanted to come. But that's because they believed in me. No, they believed in the dream. Well, so do I, but... You do? Yeah, of course I do. Well then, well then, I guess I was wrong when I said I never promised anyone. I promised me. And he looks up just as a shooting star strikes across the desert sky. Uh, the imagery, they, they do this in Muppet movies so surprisingly well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you wouldn't think that they'd take it as seriously as they do, but I'm so glad that they do. Yeah, this is such a wonderful little moment because they have another Kermit puppet show yeah, up, right? Yeah. And, yeah. He, and he talks, and it's not the Kermit where he's wearing the black hood. I know that's, yeah. that's oh. a famous <laughs> meme. He's talking to him, and he's like, well, I didn't promise them anything, and then he realizes, no, I, I promised myself that I would do this, mm -hmm. and so I owe it to myself to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then he looks up, and he sees that beautiful shooting star. <laughs> the shooting star has been recreated for several other movies in honor of Jim Henson. It was actually a Christmas tree light rigged to a wire. Nice. Yeah. When Frawley gave the signal, it shot across the other desert stars. Nice. And it looks so beautiful. Yeah. After Henson's passing, I'm Going to Go Back There Someday was one of the songs performed for his funeral at St. John's Cathedral in New York City. That would have been that would have been hard. I have a hard time talking about that song and not crying. Yeah. I can't mm -hmm. imagine. I mean, it's a thing. It's one of those wonderful little songs that's like it's melancholy, but it's also uplifting. Mm -hmm. You know, if it, if the yeah. song makes you cry, it's a, it's a good cry. It mm -hmm. Makes you feel better when you're done crying. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we're all together. We didn't make it, but maybe someday we will. You know. Mm -hmm. Right, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <sighs> The next one we have is America. In one of the funniest and most offbeat moments of the movie, Fozzie Bear sings an off-key version of America the Beautiful. The rendition is charming and warm, with Fozzie singing along to the swelling music at the end. Ba -da -da -ba. <laughs> this is the kind of moment that really appeals to younger audiences, children that are listening to the songs but also singing along. It's also a great representation of the silly shenanigans that often happen on a long car ride. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Yep. And I love that they pull out of the movie and they're in the theater and the little frog Robin sitting with Kermit is like, should I stand up? <laughs> no. 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 It's yeah. so funny to think about him singing the song in the car. And then, like, the music joins in from God knows where yeah. because he's just in a car. Yeah, he's just... <laughs> and then he sings along to that music. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So the last song that we'll talk about here is The Magic Store. Yay. What a fun, nice, sweet little song. Mm -hmm. This song is the big finale, a moment of celebration for our heroes that finally found their way to fame. The group sings to the audience, detailing their paths from being awkward kids in school to successful entertainers. 
It's a song for the audience, inspiring them to follow their dreams too. When they first start singing this song, there's like, starts when you're mm-hmm. kids, ba-da-da-da, you know, it's like this kind of upbeat, yeah. like, things are happening kind of music. Yeah, they're working yeah. on the set. And yeah. Like, yeah, and we see them kind of moving around, and they're, you know, putting things up, and they're getting ready to film the opening scene of the movie that we just watched. And I also love the continuity here, because at the end of them getting everything ready, Gonzo mm-hmm. makes a mistake, <laughs> and, of course, everything falls apart, yep. and a giant hole ends up in the ceiling and if you guys remember in quite a few years later when they rebooted the Muppets with Mm -hmm. Disney in 2011 there was a hole in the in the roof of their theater (laughs) yeah so the the hole was still there nice the group starts to perform the rainbow connection together then the ceiling breaks open and a rainbow appears distracting everyone with its beauty the music seems to stall for one haunting moment except for two notes gently played on the piano Then, Kermit turns to the camera and tells us what he has learned. Life's like a movie. Write your own ending. Ah. Beautiful. So cute. It's, yeah, it's so nice. This whole scene really feels like they're singing to the audience. Mm -hmm. You know, and when they go into this rendition of Rainbow Connection, this kind of reprise, they do change the lyrics, you Mm -hmm. know, and Kermit turns and he looks at you and we hear this, do, 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 you know, like this very, like, bit similar to somewhere over the rainbow and this is how the movie ends he says, says life's like a movie right your ending and then everyone joins in with the next line keep believing keep pretending and then you know we kind of pan out and that's when we see that beautiful scene that marcy talked about earlier with yeah. those hundreds of muppets so many together and all those people operating that at the very end of the movie and it's breathtaking yep no other word mm-hmm. yeah all right, so let's talk a little bit about starring <laughs> Jim Henson as Kermit the Frog, Ralph, Dr. Teeth, Waldorf, Swedish Chef, and Link Hogthrob. Nice. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the Swedish Chef part where he <laughs> screws up the film. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. Frank Oz as Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, Animal, Sam the Eagle, Marvin Suggs, and a motorcycle guy. Cool. Yeah. Jerry Nelson as Floyd Pepper, Crazy Harry, Robin the Frog, Lou Zealand, mm-hmm. Camilla, and Blue Frackle. And then Camilla, of course, is uh, Gonzo's <laughs> girlfriend? girlfriend. Sort of, yeah. Richard Hunt was Scooter, Statler, Janice, Sweetums, and Beaker. Then we have Dave Goals as the Great Gonzo, Suit, Dr. Bunsen, Honeydew, Dog Lion, Nigel, and Pig. Nice. Yeah. And then finally, just, you know, Steve Whitmire was Fletcher Bird. So, it isn't the Muppets without some great guest stars. The puppeteers on set were thrilled to work with a large group of celebrities that agreed to appear in the film, from Bob Hope to Richard Pryor. Charles During played Doc Hopper, and he was essentially a knockoff Colonel Sanders. Yeah. Yeah. The idea, uh, yeah. Right? Fried frogs like fried chicken legs. Fried chicken. You get, get it. it. Yeah. Yeah. At one point on set, Jim Henson and Frank Oz got into an argument about Hopper. Henson believed that they should redeem the character. He believed that of any villain, and was once quoted saying, Our villains are innocent, really, and it's that innocence, I think, that is our connection to the audience. Oz reportedly responded with, bullshit. <laughs> oh, man. And 
And so that scene at the end when Kermit yeah. gives this really beautiful speech mm-hmm. and Doc Hopper is like, kill him. That to me is like, <laughs> it's the epitome of Jim Henson and Frank Oz and their relationship. Yeah. These guys were, be- I mean, they were really close. They mm-hmm. worked together all the time and they had absolutely wonderful chemistry. And Jim Henson was this really idealistic, optimistic person. <laughs> and Frank Oz is cynical and just super sarcastic and just, and it's just that, that whole idea. Yeah. Bullshit. A nice balance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I always love when they did the Swedish chef together because they would always be screwing with each other. Yeah. You know, like he'd be tr- trying to go this way. You know, Jim Henson as the voice would be trying to go one way, but Frank Oz's hands would go the other way. And it's just like, uh, uh. Austin Pendleton played Max. Max is the assistant nice. to yes. Doc Hopper. Edgar Bergen played himself mm-hmm. and uh, Charlie McCarthy. Of all the celebrities, this was the most revered by the Muppet cast. Edgar Bergen was a trailblazing puppeteer that paved the way for Jim Henson and every other performer on set. Writer Jerry Jewell said that watching him perform was like being a child again. He had done an episode of The Muppet Show before this, and just they really couldn't handle <laughs> him being around. They just, he was just like, he was their Elvis, is what yeah. he said. Aww. Bergen was ill while filming The Muppet Movie, but agreed to do it anyway. It would be the very last footage of him as he died that fall. Jim Henson spoke at his funeral, and the film is dedicated in Bergen's honor. Wow. He really, they said him being on the set of The Muppet Show and the movie really was like passing the torch. All right. So moving on, we have Milton Berle as Madman Mooney. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Mel Brooks was Professor Max Crossman. <laughs> and this is him. He was the scientist that is... Yes. Very specifically monitors frogs and mm-hmm. like yeah. <laughs> mind control for frogs. Mind. A very specific yeah. field. <laughs> it's like, how much work do you get, man? <laughs> yeah. James Coburn as El Slezo Cafe owner. Nice. <laughs> this is the worst, worst filthiest <laughs> trash hole in the whole state or something like that. And he goes, Why don't you complain to the owner? I am the owner. <laughs> Dom DeLuise as Bernie the Agent. Ah, oh, yes, yeah. the voice of our childhood. Yes, mm-hmm. Dom DeLuise. <laughs> he appears and you're just like, oh, that voice. Yeah. Yep. Elliot Gould as the beauty contest compare. Nice. Bob Hope was the ice cream vendor. Yeah. <laughs> Honeycomb for the bear and... And one dragonfly ripple for the frog. Yucca. Don't get him mixed up. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As if anybody would. <laughs> Madeline Kahn as El Slezo patron. Nice, nice. Carol Kane as Myth. Perfect. Myth, was myth, a- myth. Yes. <laughs> dude, dude, I, I would have spat out my drink the second time that happens because she just comes around like the back of a billboard. Yeah. Or billboard. Yeah. That's a myth. What? Myth, myth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Re- oh rewatching God. this, that was one of my favorite jokes in the yeah. whole movie. Yeah. You imagine you get all dressed, they put you in costume and makeup, and she's like, okay, now what do you want me to do? do. I'm a celebrity. I'm, I'm, you know, doing a celebrity cameo for the Muppets. Like, what do you want me to do? 
And they're like, we want you to poke your head around this billboard and say yes. <laughs> they're, okay. They're going to call you. It's going to sound like miss, miss, miss. Yeah. And then <laughs> you just awesome. pop around and Cloris Leachman as Lord's secretary. Oh, my goodness. Cloris Leachman. <laughs> oh, Cloris. Steve Martin as the insolent waiter. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This one. <laughs> He seems so upset that he's being called to the table. Yes, he's so sarcastic. (laughs) Richard Pryor as the balloon vendor. Nice. Cons Gonzo into buying all the balloons. Yeah. Yeah. I have guys come in all the time. Sometimes they get a bunch of balloons for the girls. They go gaga for it. Gaga? I'll take the whole bunch. Gaga, gaga. Telly Savalas as El Slizo Tough. Nice. <laughs> awesome. And Orson Welles as Lou Lord. And Lou Lord is a nod to the head of ATV, Lord Lou Grade. Yes. Cool. It's one of my favorite parts because he doesn't have to say hardly anything. Yeah. <laughs> Turns around with a cigar. Make up the standard rich and famous contract. <laughs> <laughs> yes to you. And yeah. all of a sudden... Famous, yeah. boom. Famous, I'm the, si- I'm the Simon Cowell here. Yeah. <laughs> all, all it took, all it took, was one person to say, "You know what? I'll give you a shot." <laughs> Lou Grade, Lord Grade from ATV, kind of did that for the Muppets. That's to true. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I he mean, was like, eh, yeah. he people had said no. We, I mean, we know that, and he kind of was like, you know what? Let's do it. Then we have Paul Williams as El Slizo pianist. Yes, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I see he him. Did all the music. Yeah. How cute. And then finally, we have Scott Walker as the frog killer. He's like a ridiculous hitman that (laughs) I kill frogs. Yes. (laughs) Like, what? Again, another very specialized field. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So the movie grossed almost $66 million in its initial release. All right. Pretty good. Yeah. Lou Lord certainly made back his $8 million investment. Thanks to the film's success, several other Muppet films followed. Yes. Yeah, so one thing that some people might not know is that when Jim Henson first pitched the Muppet movie, he was also simultaneously working on a passion project behind Ooh. it. And he that was kind of like if he could get the Muppets to happen, that was like that was like his regular work. But this yeah. was like his fun little thing. And that was the Dark Crystal. So he ah. was he was doing that at the same time. So if the Muppet movie wasn't successful, probably wouldn't have any of those really great wow. dark fantasy films yeah. that we did get from Jim Henson. Mm-hmm. So it was nominated for two Oscars for Best Song and Best Score. It won the Saturn Award for Best Fantasy Film. Yeah. All right. I know I watched it. It's so weird to me because I saw that. I said, fantasy? <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah, uh, it just seems so hmm. real. They just happen to be bears and frogs yeah. and pigs. Like, I don't, yeah. you know. When Jim Henson's agent, Bernie Brillstein, saw the film, he said, Kermit was Jim. Jim believed in the entire world. The Muppet movie was another triumph by Jim Henson. He took his team of dreamers and continued to push the boundaries of his medium. He found artists that truly understood his vision and songwriters that captured the true magic of the Muppets and what they represented. The Muppet movie works for many reasons, but one of the most notable is how much every single person that touched it believed in its message. This film walks the line between silly and sentimental, 
displaying a truth that will stick with audiences of all ages. The Muppet movie is beautiful. It's magic personified. And the best part is that it's all for absolutely everyone. The lovers, the dreamers, and you. This movie is about following your dreams. These characters decide they want to do this, and they all jump in head first. Yeah. Nobody has any reservations. They all just do it. Yeah. And they're successful, which obviously, you know, doesn't always happen. (laughs) But Jim Henson, this was pretty much how he felt. Mm -hmm. He always believed that he would be successful. Mm. He never really thought he wouldn't be. And I think that's a big part of success that we don't talk about as much is the utter confidence that it really takes. You know, it takes a lot of confidence to really make it because you Mm -hmm. have to believe that you're going to do it. And really, he never questioned it. So a lot of this is, is very much straight from him. And it's a great message. And it's great for kids watching it, you know, because we have this group of characters that are so inherently different from the rest of the world. They stick out like sore thumbs. They're, yes. <laughs> they're furry and they've got funny voices and it, you know. Yeah. And, you know, they're different. They're weirdos. And then that's what makes them interesting and special and they and yeah. they make it. And it's a wonderful little ending. It's very sweet. Yeah. It really does personify everything about the Muppets from here on. You know, the Muppet Show had a lot of this in it, but this is like the defining Muppet thing. And from then on, it's all based on this movie. Like yeah. it's all, it all branches from what this movie kind of mm-hmm. created, right? Yeah. The humor, the the tricks of the trade, you know, <laughs> to get it to work in real life. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fantastic. And I'm so glad that it's, despite all of the craziness that it, that they had to do to get it to work, mm-hmm. it ended up being a just a great movie yeah. at the end, you know? Yeah. Yep. And we talked about this a lot throughout, but I think it really brought these characters into our reality, made mm-hmm. us think of them as like not people, but their own beings. Yeah. They're not yeah. they're not controlled almost for us, but yeah. so much magic. And I yeah. I love that they still do that today and mm-hmm. how they treat each character as if they were an actor like yeah. we've said at the beginning like kermit goes in is on other shows or yeah. makes celebrity appearances yeah, he does interviews and... it's not whoever's being <laughs> yeah. it's not whoever's being kermit it is kermit yeah you know i love that stuff they do that with sesame street a lot too mm-hmm. like elmo yeah. does the same you know it's that same kind of thing yeah. i love that they still do that mm-hmm. and i'm so glad that even though some of the recent Muppet stuff hasn't really been super great. Like Most Wanted was all right. The new show on Disney Plus was, eh, give it, you know, take it or leave it. But I am still glad that the Muppets are relevant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm so glad that they're still around mm-hmm. because the next time they strike gold, it's going to be so awesome. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. All right, everybody. That's going to do it. That's going to be a case closed. All righty, right. Hope you're enjoying the beginning of Jim Henson June. Get ready for some more. Um, But in the meantime, you can go check out our other stuff. We had a, we talked about our Muppets, our Muppet Show episode. You can go check Mm -hmm. out that if you if you missed it. That's on BlackCaseDiaries.com, along with all of our other stuff. Um, If you want, you can go check out our Instagram or Twitter. You can message us, email us, whatever you're feeling like. Yeah. And then uh, also go check out our Patreon. If you would, we'd greatly appreciate that. 
And last but not least, check out No Small Parts, our other show that just dropped a new episode last week. Yay! It is awesome. Like It's a good episode. Yeah. yeah. You can't even, you, there's no doubt. Yeah, we can't give anything away. So yeah. 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 yeah, I know. We can't really talk about it's it. It's just yeah. great, okay? It and it's only 15 minutes, so you don't even have to like worry and sit yes. here for an hour like mm-hmm. you did just now. So thank you very much. We will see you next time. Bye! Are you sure you won't come with us to Hollywood? Can't, baby. But when you get rich and famous, maybe we'll show up and exploit your wealth. (laughs) (laughs) Moving right along, Fuzzy.